why is it that some Christians want to believe science as opposed to the Bible? People don't want to feel like they're left out, and so there's this attempt to mix science and a secular interpretation of science into the Bible. But the Bible doesn't allow us to do that. If science is properly interpreted, then the biblical account makes sense. The Bible should come first, and we should interpret the science yeah. based on the biblical account. We're out there saying to people that you can trust the Bible, and because you can trust the Bible, you can trust the, the gospel message that yeah. the, the, the Bible has. Trust it. the God of the Bible. Trust the God yeah. of the Bible. Welcome to 24-6 with Mark James from Creation Ministries International. And uh, Mark, we promised that this time we would talk, what do we promise about? Oh, about, about the, um, the uniformitarianism, the, the slow processes of evolution, which is what has prompted people over the last 200 years to try and mix the Bible with, with we call it science, but it's The idea of, of uniformitarianism is that the processes we see happening today are the only processes that we can use to explain what's happened in the past. Uh, and it was introduced uh, firstly by a gentleman by the name of James Hutton, who wasn't a geologist. He was actually a, a medical doctor. Right. Uh, but he decided, he saw some, uh, some uh, formations, decided that these must have formed over a long period of time. And, um, and that's... Um, that idea has seeped its way into geology. And in fact, the biggest opponents of this theory to start with were the geologists, yeah. uh, particularly the scriptural um, uh, geologists. They were saying, no, 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 this ignores the fact that the Bible says there was a global flood and therefore there was catastrophe. The interesting thing today is that an awful lot of geologists who are secular now because they've accepted the long ages, they're starting to realise that uniform Uniformitarianism, uniformitarianism yeah. doesn't work. So basically, uniformitarianism simply means everything happened in a uniform way. It was yes. the Grand Canyon being the, the well, actually, no, the tree rings being a perfect example. Tree rings, we always were taught there's a ring per year yes. for the tree, right? Did you get taught that? It's wrong. It's yes. not a ring per year. It's a ring per wet and dry season. And, and, and other reasons as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so there so, can be multiple rings in one year. Yeah. So we could, yeah, we chop the tree down and we go, this tree is 75 years old. You go, no. We don't know that. No, we don't we know. We don't know. So we look at the Grand Canyon and we say, there's this layer, this layer, this layer, this layer. Therefore, it took this long uniformly to build up. And, and what they're saying is we see these layers being laid down and we do see layers being laid down and we see them being laid down in millimetres per year or centimetres per year. Yep. And then they measure the thickness of a strata and they say that is a thousand centimetres. Uh, so that's a thousand years or, or that, that's how they do it. Yep. Uh, and um, what until, until you come to Mount St. Helens. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and Mount St. Helens, within a few days, produced uh, a, a canyon yep. similar to the Grand Canyon. I think uh, they even call it the They call the it mini the Mini Grand, Grand Canyon. canyon. Yeah. It's a 40th the size of the Grand Canyon, and it happened in a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other things is um, the uh, trees upside down in lakes and, and, and in peat 
and everything, which, oh, this took all these millions of years for this to happen when the tree fell over. You go, no, actually Mount St. Helens happened in two days. Yes. Uh, and and um, interestingly, we find a lot of uh, trees fossilised which sit through many different yeah, layers. That's, that's the remarkable thing. Yes, and, and these layers, if the tree wasn't there, then the geologists would say, oh, look, these layers were laid down over millions of years. But there is a tree that's stretching from top to bottom. In fact, there are trees that are um, halfway up their, their coal, and yep. then their tree, fossilised tree, and then their coal again. And um, these are, are very strong um, indicators that this didn't take millions of years because a tree doesn't stand upright. And some of these trees are upside down. Yeah. Trees do not stand upside down for millions of years while they're gradually covered up by sediment. No, no. Uh, these are very strong indicators that there was some sort of catastrophe uh, that put these things in place. Well, fossil fish is another one. You know, when a fish dies, it, it, you know, every child knows what happens when the goldfish dies. It doesn't float Sink to, to the, the bottom. bottom. <laughs> it floats to the yep. top. And, of course, if it's out in the oceans, it gets eaten by other sea creatures. Yes. And yet we find millions and millions and millions of fossilised sea creatures. Yes, and we find fossilised sea creatures in the process of giving birth. So... Um, and on the tops of mountains. And on the tops of... <laughs> yes, we find we find clams on the top of Mount Everest. Yep. Um, we find fish in, um, in the process of swallowing another fish fossilised in the, in the, um, the fossil record. So, uh, again, all of this points to catastrophe. And in fact, yes, the, the, the geologists today are starting to realise that they have to introduce catastrophe. But because they're already, they've already decided that um, the millions of years are true, uh, then they're not willing to go to that stage where they say, well, it looks like there's a, uh, there was a global flood. They, they even talk about it being a, um, a flood or a catastrophe of biblical proportion. Yes, it's used but, all the time. But without actually, you know, oh, like Noah's flood. Well, no, not Noah's flood, but no. like a flood like that, you know. We, we have a, um, a fluvial geologist who, who works for us who um, in his secular days was writing reports uh, and he was saying that uh, he would see evidence for a, a global flood uh, and, and he would say, which seems to have buried all these other flood layers because that's what he needed to put into his reports. Yes. Yeah. And now um, he has become a Christian, he's become a creationist, he actually works for Creation Ministries, and he's a little embarrassed by some of the reports <laughs> that he, he created in the past. But um, it's, it's a matter of basically almost taking the blinkers away and yeah. saying a global flood is a possibility. Um, a lot of people say, you know, okay, yeah, a global flood, where's the water gone? Has anybody looked at the Earth? Seventy yeah. percent of the Earth's surface is covered with water. Yeah. Um, in fact, if if the if the surface of the Earth was completely flat, if you brought the mountains down and the valleys up, um, there's enough water on the Earth today to cover the whole surface to a depth of about three kilometres. Mm. So the water's there. Where did it go to after the flood? It's still there. Well, the other thing is that, uh, and when we talk about the flood, and um, and I was again just in a discussion online with this that the the ark floated fifteen cubits above the tops of the mountains. Yes. And uh, for anyone that does that loves numerology in the Bible, fifteen is the number of separation. Um, but people go, "Well, is that fifteen cubits above Mount Everest?" You go, no, "Actually, there wasn't a Mount Everest at that point." Mount Everest is a post-flood mountain because the tectonic plates moved, yes. and when they moved, they created the mountains. Yes, absolutely. And as, is, as the Bible says. Yes, and, and we do find fossilised shellfish at the very top 
of Mount Everest. Yeah. I love the verse, uh, and I can't remember the, the reference, uh, a guy called Peleg, and he was called Peleg because in his, his day the earth was divided. Now, there's a... There's a uh, one school that says that was the languages were divided at uh, the at Tower of Babel. Yep. Because when God created, he, he, he said, let land come forth. And we know there was a Gondwana land yep. originally. There was one supercontinent that split up. Now, see, this is the other thing is, is people that throw slack at creationists to go, well, you don't believe in any of that. You go, no, well, of course we believe in it. Because yes. the Bible says so. The yes. Bible says there was one continent that split up and yep. divided. I, I might take issue with you a little bit with Peleg because he came quite a long time after the flood and the um, the uh, mountains and, and the... the um, the, the movement of the plates it was before him would have happened during the flood. Done. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, you and your Bible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the but the, um, the the issue here is that um, people are taking uh, they're looking at history from a scientific perspective, but not realizing that to do that there has to be assumptions made. Yeah. And the assumption of uniformitarianism is that things have happened the same throughout history. Uh, but what? But but those assumptions. If you make that assumption, then you will draw the conclusions yes. that you draw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm the same. I make assumptions. I assume that the Bible's right, and I interpret the science from that basis. Based on that. Isn't that what the what the old scientists did? Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, the ones that are famous for discovering scientific laws. They yes. go, oh, I see this. Hang on, what does the Bible say? Well, therefore, that's the way it happened. Yeah. And and the thing is, there are quotes from scientists who basically say that they are thinking uh, God's thoughts after him. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know that that the that um, creation is uh, something to be examined, but from. God's perspective. From God's perspective. Uh, yeah, even Einstein, who wasn't a Christian, despite what people say, but I think he was a theist. He believed in a God. But he, he said he said it's obvious to see somebody's hand in all of this. Yes. I love you've got a book at Creation Ministries called uh, Genetic Entropy, I think, by Dr. John Sanford. One of my yes. favorite books is just marvelous. But he talks about uh secular scientists, they have what he calls the primary axiom. And the primary axiom is everything happened, uniformitarianism, there is no God, it's all evolution. Therefore, despite what I'm seeing, I have to assume there is no God, therefore it must have been this. Yes, and the primary axiom from there is that, um, that we're here because of a process of evolution, which is mutations and selection yeah. based on um, uh, everything has come from very simple through to very complex. And what um, John Sanford shows is that science actually teaches us that everything is going in the opposite direction. Yeah. That uh, rather than genetics improving and increasing, uh, genetics show that we are actually degrading over time. Which is kind of what the Bible says, the whole, whole of creation groans Yes, awaiting and that, yeah, and that we will be liberated from our bondage to decay. Yes, so everything is decaying, yeah. and we're going to be liberated from that. Eventually. So surprise, surprise, the Bible got it right. Yes, maybe we can uh, touch on uh, on the um, natural selection next time, uh, and just look at that for a minute. So, uh, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more, then uh, click the link below, and make sure you subscribe to see the rest of the series.